What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week, another episode of Center of Attention. Uh, if you guys saw the picture the other day, you know that Nico Bryant, the Wonder Twin, is coming back and he's going to be on the podcast and school me through some of the NBA restart stuff. And well, we talk a lot about that. We talk a little bit about the UFC that's coming up, and we talk uh, mainly basketball. We stayed a little bit more focused on this one, so it's a good episode. Uh, I had to put in the Hamilton song because I finished that today. Now that it's on Disney Plus, I highly recommend watching it. But I would do some background on the play before you actually just go in and watch it. Otherwise, uh, I'm not sure if it'll be as good or if you'll understand it quite as much. It makes it a lot more enjoyable of a viewing experience. Uh, but for the first part of the episode, so first off, like I almost forgot again, like last week, follow the social medias. At COAPod73 on Twitter, at Jimmy Pilato, uh, at Proud underscore, underscore WAP on Instagram. Uh, I'm not going to plug my TikTok because that might be getting banned. And then follow Nico at Nico11Bryant, uh, capital N, capital B on Twitter, and then just Nico11Bryant on Instagram. He plugs them later on in the show as well. Um, and then wherever you listen, please like, subscribe, rate, review, uh, share it, tell a friend about it. Let's get this growing a little bit faster. Uh, a little bit bigger each week that we put out a new episode. It's done that the last couple couple weeks. It's been fairly consistent. And, uh, yeah, let's just keep that rolling. For the first part of the podcast, Nico and I talked for about an hour. We were sitting out on the patio. It started getting too hot, so I kind of cut it off a little bit. But for the first part, since we do have UFC 251 coming up, it is Fight Island. This has been the main source of news for a lot of the sporting outlets uh, especially all the combat sporting outlets, is that Dana White purchased an island, Yao's Island, I think, uh, off of Dubai in the UAE for this event. And there's, it's got a lot of good fights on it. Um, they, they've been doing a very good job of stacking their pay-per-view cards. I mean, their fight nights have left a little bit to be desired, but their pay-per-view cards, I think, have been very good. And I got Rev Coca, the problem... He's been a guest on this show before. Uh, go back and listen to his episode. It was around um, Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington's fight, actually, which is funny because this is Kamaru Usman um, main headlining this card again. But we talk a lot about that. We talk about Weili Zhang. And um, this episode, I had him message me because we couldn't get together to do the podcast. I had him message me his predictions and his thoughts on each of the main card fights. And then I'll give you a little bit of my feeling, whether or not I agree with him uh, on some of these. I also talk a little bit more in depth, especially about the betting odds later on in the podcast. So I'll do a little bit of a preview take now from me, but you'll get Rev's preview. And then be sure to listen all the way through if you want to get more of my thoughts on uh, the upcoming fights this weekend. So Rev writes for Amanda Rivas versus Paige Van Zant. He gives it to Amanda Rivas by a round two submission. His explanation is Van Zant has been vocal about testing free agency. This is her last fight on her UFC contract, and as usual, the UFC will play hardball with people in that situation. Rebus looks like a promising prospect and will use Van Zant as a stepping stone. I kind of agree with him. Um, Paige Van Zant has been doing a lot more 
outside of the octagon than inside of it recently. That's due to some injury uh, injury problems that I talk about a little bit later on in the show. I agree with Rev. I'm I'm not too familiar with Rebus, so I can't really call the style that it's going to be in. He picks a submission. Makes sense. Amanda Rebus is Brazilian, so she's probably pretty proficient in jiu-jitsu. So I, I agree with Rev. I'm gonna, I think that Rebus wins against Paige Van Zant. Moving on to the Nami Yunus and Jessica Andrade fight rematch. Uh, he picks Nami Yunus over Andrade. If you remember this fight, it was for the championship, and Nami Yunus dominated all the way up until right before the end of a round. She got slammed on her neck and knocked out, and Jessica Andrade ended up winning the, the fight because of that. He picks Nami Yunus in round three TKO. His explanation, Namiunas dominated 99% of their first fight, but her submission hunting style left her vulnerable to being dumped on her head. Rose won't make the same mistake, and Andrade has been finished multiple times before due to overaggression. This makes a lot of sense. I think that with the coaching that she has, Pat Berry, Trevor Whitman, she will learn from her last fight. She always does. Uh, Rose Namiunas, one of the smartest female fighters in the UFC, I think that she figures out what she did wrong in the last fight, and she overcomes it in this one. I agree. I think that she will be victorious over Andrade. I'm not sure about a round three TKO. This seems more like a decision victory for me, uh, but it's kind of whichever style you prefer or you think is a little bit more likely in that one. I do think Andrade will walk away with a loss, though. Next fight, Peter Yen and Jose Aldo. Um... This is actually the co-main event. This is just the order that he sent it to me in. I am not as happy with this fight as a lot of people are. I don't think Aldo should be in this title fight in his second fight in the bantamweight division. And the first one that he had, he lost a split decision. Um, You can kind of argue it could have gone either way. But Rev picks Peter Yan over Jose Aldo in round two, style of a TKO. Uh, First round of Aldo's fight against Marias left me concerned. But he was able to rally back and compete in the last two rounds against a guy in Marias who tends to slow down. Jan is an effective pressuring striker who won't slow down as easily and will overwhelm Aldo. Uh, I think that Peter Jan has a very good chance of winning this fight. I think he uh, he probably will end up winning this fight. I talked about the betting odds in this one because Aldo is a plus 400 underdog. It's a pretty good return on investment, just putting down some money on him to win. I think it's a little bit more likely than most of the other fights on the card. Um, but I think that Peter Young ultimately will beat Jose Aldo, and then we'll meet up with Aljamain Sterling a little bit further down the line. Next fight, he sent me uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway, the rematch. Um, he picks Volkanovsky over Holloway in a decision. Something about the way Holloway is approaching this fight week has left me feeling as if the rematch will be even more one-sided than the first fight. Due to COVID rules in Hawaii, he received minimal help from coaches and had no training partners. He's tough enough to last all five rounds, though. I agree. Um, Not sure about the COVID restrictions in Hawaii, but Max Holloway is very tough to get rid of. He was the first guy in the UFC to take Conor McGregor back when he was on his winning streak all five rounds. So I don't think that um, Volkanovski will get a finish in this fight. I do think that Volkanovski ends up winning and going up 2-0 in that uh, series, and Holloway will have to do a lot to re-earn a title shot after that. <clears throat> Last fight that we'll go over, and then we'll get into the Nico portion of this episode. 
uh, is Kamara Usman and Jorge Masvidal, which is a last-minute replacement. It was supposed to be Gilbert Burns, and he had something where he had to pull out of the fight. So Jorge Masvidal steps in, just like a lot of people who compare him, the guy he won the BMF title over uh, in Nate Diaz. He, they get compared a lot because they will step in and fight on any kind of notice. If you uh, know your MMA, you know that Jorge Masvidal started in those Kimbo backyard brawling leagues down in Florida. So it makes a lot of sense that he would be more than willing to fight on a short notice, even if it is against one of, I think, possibly a guy who could possibly be one of the greatest UFC welterweight champions of all time in Kamaru Usman. Uh, he's going to get step in there. He's going to fight. Rev has this fight going to Usman over Masvidal in the decision. Masvidal is a game veteran, but he's taking this on short notice, and in the past he has had a tendency to allow pressure fighters to have the exact fight they want. Usman will overwhelm and out-wrestle the man taking this fight on short notice, but Masvidal will be game enough to take a round or two over 25 minutes. Um, I think that's a fair... That's actually more fair than I thought it was going to be. If you know Rev, he, you know he's Nigerian. His parents uh, were actually immigrants to the country. He was born in America, but they have very deep Nigerian roots. Isn't Rev's favorite fighter on the card besides Israel Adesanya? I think, like I said, I think that Usman has the possibility of being the greatest UFC welterweight champion with all the great guys that have won that belt. Matt Hughes, George St. Pierre. Um, I think that you know this is Usman's time. I talk about it a little bit later on with Nico, but he's relentless in his passion and his effort he can't run yet he still has the best cardio in the division i'm not sure how that makes much sense but that's a little bit of a preview um rev did point out to me that he picked all of the betting favorites so if you are trying to make some money it might be helpful to listen to this while you're trying to place your bets and see if you find a little bit better of a return if you go with an underdog i would do more of the prop betting in this one. I don't think there's going to be a ton of upsets in the fight per se, but I think that guys could win rounds, guys could steal rounds, um, and if you bet on the method of victory, it ends up yielding a lot more money. Uh, I think that's going to be it for this portion. Thank you to Rev for um, doing that. I'll plug his social medias quickly. On Instagram, you can follow Rev. Um, just at Rev Coca, R E V K O K A. And I believe it's the same on Twitter. I'm just going to double check here. Uh, yep, at Rev Coca. He's actually kind of Twitter famous. He's got over 1,500 followers. He got into a couple beefs with some UFC guys before. So um, go give him a follow on those platforms. Like I said, like, subscribe, share, retweet. Whatever you got to do, rate, review. Um, let's build this podcast a little bit. Thank you guys for listening. And now we will get into some NBA talk with Nico Bryant. Nico is returning for the first time in person since, I want to say, like, episode five. 
That sounds about right, yeah. It was the very first... Yeah, it was episode five. It was in January, so I'd only been doing it for about a month now. We're on episode 42. Almost Glad to have there, you back. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So what's been going on, Nico? You haven't... I mean, obviously nobody's having fun, but are you <laughs> having as much fun as you can during the lockdown and the COVID and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, obviously everything that, that's happened so far with the world that's going on, it's, it's been a crazy time for all of us. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's... I mean, as an avid sports fan and person that's trying to get its way into the industry, it's nice to see that the world's coming back to a little bit of normalcy. Um, obviously, everything's not back to normal completely. And there's a lot of things going on, but um, it's 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 very hopeful. Yeah, to, to see everything that's been going on with the leagues and what players are doing and what what the world's going on right now. So it's been tough trying to f- figure out a balance between being the guy who's like sports need to come back now and being the also the guy's like I understand that everybody could get mm-hmm. sick, so we need to slow play it. But mm-hmm. I think at some point everybody was just sick of having to watch the same few things on TV. Yeah, at at some point I can only watch so many. Uh, pr- Old games, old basketball games, yeah. old football games. There's at some point it gets a little boring. <laughs> right. <laughs> just play Michael. Just play Michael Jordan. Play Michael Jordan again. <laughs> Maybe people want to see Michael Jordan play baseball. Let's play Michael Jordan baseball. Game. Exactly. Yeah. It got interesting for a second. Uh, we'll talk. We're, I brought you on because I know you're the basketball guy. Everybody knows that I'm not the basketball guy. <laughs> I barely know. I know the rules now because I had to broadcast it for the past two years. But I barely know anything else. Uh, so we're going to talk about the NBA restart. Um, where the standings were at when they finished and then I wanted to kind of talk about Zion because it seems like he's going to be forced down our throats mm-hmm. for the next few years and try and become the next LeBron and I wanted to ask you where him and John Morant kind of which which one you think is better um, because that was the big controversy once the NBA 2K cover was released that people were thinking it should have been John Morant <clears throat> but then we can talk about I mean we're we know each other well enough. We have a similar enough interest that we could talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Fight Island's coming up this weekend. I know you're excited for that. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot to talk about. But uh, I guess where do you, where would you want to start? Which which we, topic? We can do you start, want to start with with uh, Zion and go a little bit, bit about right. that. So to go upon your point there. So I right now I believe that ja, ja, right now John Moran is a better basketball player than Zion. Mm-hmm. I believe the upside though to Zion is there. Um, I think. It, it, people are he is getting shoved down our throats a little bit too much because he only played X amount of games. He didn't play the whole season, and if he if he was he if he was doing this for 50 games or whenever however many it was when it stopped, um, I'd be more on the train I believe. But the extra small amount of games and uh, that he's played and just the the way John Moran has has burst onto the scene, yeah, it's it's very intriguing thing to watch because the NBA is in a great direction right now. If you have players like Zion, you have people people like Luka Doncic who yeah. who are going to carry this league for years to come. And that's not that's not a that's not a good thing or a bad thing at all. It's that's perfect. It's it's there's it's right along lines that the NBA needs. Yeah, every everybody needs it's similar back in the 90s when it was um Barkley, Jordan, and then you had like Carl Malone and all those other guys. You you have multiple superstars that can go to different teams and have good rivalries. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think John Morant, like you said, was probably a better player at first. Um, I was listening to Matt Barnes on a podcast, and he was talking about Zion and how uh, since he's been so athletic, he doesn't really have to know the ins and outs of the game, but that'll mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. at some at some point. So he's probably not the best player now. But 
down the line if he learns. Kind of mm-hmm. like LeBron, because when LeBron mm-hmm. came in, he was just an athletic freak. Yeah, he, best he's player just, on the court. Yeah, he's so. just a raw talent yeah. right now. He's he's got incredible leaping ability and incredible rebounding and defense. Like it's all gonna come along. It just mm-hmm. I'm I'm hopeful for him right now, but as of right now, I still believe Jaw would be the. I mean, I don't think I think Zion is would be a better cover athlete because mm-hmm. people aren't gonna buy Jaw Moran two K cover athletes. Well, yeah, people yeah. rather buy Zion um, cover, but I think we we know the only. Uh, Murray State fan alive in Schlegel. Yeah, that's true. Uh, other than that, I don't know who else would buy that game. Yeah, but um, I, Zion has an incredible upside. It's gonna. Like, we, you saw the picture of him, how he looked a few days. Yeah. I think it was a few days ago, or maybe it was last week. But he looks if he stays in great shape and um, the upside is endless. I mean, he could turn out to be a LeBron. He could turn out to be a Charles Barkley. Who knows what's going to be? That's that's yeah. one of the great things about basketball is you have all these young raw talent where you don't know exactly what's going to happen. You don't know if Luca is going to become um, another Steve Nash or another um, Dirk Nowitzki in Dallas or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And then you have a Zion Williamson who came into a New Orleans Pelicans or organization that just lost Anthony Davis, and now they're going to be now they have. The promise having Brandon Ingram and maybe yeah. Lonzo and whoever, whatever it may be. Now they have potential to be a higher seed in the playoffs and maybe make deep run in a few years. Who knows? Yeah, the couple games I watched the Pelicans it was on Christmas Day when they beat the Nuggets, and they looked. I mean, they play a certain style of basketball. It's a little bit different than the top teams, I would mm-hmm. say, but they do their style well. They try and they're. The, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but they try and get out and run a little bit because. Their speed and obviously now with Zion, mm-hmm. want to get him in a one-on-one situation. But I mean, I liked Zion back in college too because when you watch him, when I was watching his high school highlights before he turned into this athletic freak, he was a point guard, mm-hmm. so he can't shoot, mm-hmm. and he proved that in the first game too because everybody was just going to back off of him, mm-hmm. so he can't posterize him in the paint, and he can shoot three pointers, mm-hmm. shoot jump shots. So he's got a lot going for him. Yeah, Alvin, Alvin Gentry has done an incredible job with that Pelicans team. Mm-hmm. Um, Meshing all those different different types of players. Lonzo is not necessarily a great shooter, but he's a great disher. Yeah. Add Zion to you have another lob city in the making. Mm-hmm. And then putting Brandon Ingram on the on the um, on the wings too, all star this year. Like it's 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 going to be interesting to see what they do going forward because obviously Drew Holiday may not fit into their plans of the future. See if they can maybe get a return for him. But if they want to build upon that. Um, young core they have now, maybe keep Ingram around or maybe build around Zion. It, it'll be interesting to see what they um, decide to do go f- going forward. Well, this is just something that popped into my head just now. But um, do you see AD maybe coming back to New Orleans? Because this is the last, the only year that he has left on his contract in Los Angeles. Where do you think that he's going to go? Does that intrigue him a little bit to come back and maybe play on a better team? I would, I would say no. I, I think. The two most likely destinations for him would be go back to L.A., and then the other option people are, are sleeping on is him going to Chicago. Oh. Be, being being him being from Chicago, being a Bulls fan growing up, and him possibly having the chance to build the team around him. If Lakers say Lakers win do win the championship this year, that's a that's a very intriguing option. Nathan Davis could build his own little um, dynasty in Chicago, a place he grew up watching. So yeah. I think it, if, if Anthony Davis, I don't think he'd return to New Orleans just because of the bad blood that happened at the end of the year and him saying wearing the shirt that says that's all folks yeah. and just the complete like departure and just everything that happened there but I think the two most likely destination for him would be to return um, with the Braun running back another year or possibly go back home to Chicago 
You don't see New York at all? Because there was talk about the Knicks for a little bit, too. It's, it would be interesting because another thing that popped up recently was Damian Lillard. He, he had his options of pops where he'd want to go, possibly, and New York wasn't one of the options. Hmm. If if a package deal was there where Lillard also went to New York or, um, say, another star player decided to go to New York with Anthony Davis, I think that would be a possibility. Yeah. But with that team just straight up, I think if you look at the Bulls and you look at the Knicks right now, the Bulls would be more intriguing option to AD. Um, if they add another piece, then we're talking different, completely different story. But yeah. that's if they do that. And right now, people want to go to Brooklyn instead of New York. So, Yeah. And it, free agency is tough to talk about anyways, but free agency now is going to be super difficult just because who knows. I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to ha- make sure that the players on Brooklyn or, like, Miami and all those places that are having huge cases now, mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to be able to keep them. I mean, are they are the players down in Orlando now? So, yeah, so a few teams. Um, I know the Nuggets arrived yesterday, and I think the Heat arrived today, and there's a few other teams that um, – or join slowly joining, but I know I think training camp starts maybe the twentieth or twenty first somewhere around there. Yeah. Or not, or the scrimmages. Sorry, I know training camp starts like middle of July somewhere yeah. around there. But I know the scrimmages start like being or in the early twenties of July. So uh, I know I know teams are starting to get acclimated. Um, I saw you probably saw Troy Daniels is a. Uh, uh, dinner last night and how it was not the ideal situation for an NBA athlete and I heard stories saying that was just the first few days um, and after more teams come in there will be better chefs or whatever it may be yeah. but it will be interesting to see because you look at what Troy Daniels ate last night then LeBron has Taco Tuesday yesterday so <laughs> it's going to it's gonna be interesting to see um, if they decide to give personal chefs to the team or chefs to the hotel or whatever it may be I don't know they probably have that all in place, though. I'll yeah, guess. I'm sure that they yeah. – I like that commissioner. I like the NBA NBA commissioner a lot. So, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's got everything squared away. Talking about that, the restart, nine teams from the Eastern Conference, 13 teams from the Western Conference going down, having an eight-game finish of the season to see where standings land. And then uh, they're going right into the normal format for playoffs, right? Eight mm-hmm. teams. and Eight teams, yes. It looks like seven, seven games. Um Seven-game series, series throughout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at this point, for the Eastern Conference, it's Boston, Brooklyn, Indiana, Miami, Milwaukee, Orlando, Philly, Toronto, Washington. And then the Western Conference, Dallas, Denver, Houston, Clippers, Lakers, Memphis, New Orleans, Oklahoma City, Phoenix, Portland, Sacramento, San Antonio, and Utah. Um, some of the talk around the Western Conference. We talked about Zion already, but with New Orleans and the NBA wanting to get Zion in front of as many people as possible and hopefully get a LeBron-Zion matchup in the playoffs, um, they gave New Orleans a fairly fairly nice schedule coming in as a team who wouldn't have even made the playoffs. It's the beauty of, it's the beauty of podcasting outside Dom and I were doing stuff for this the other night on the 4th of July and all of our neighbors were shooting off fireworks. So we were singing songs and you hear boom, pop. But uh, for a team that wouldn't have even been in the playoffs if it had ended, I mean, granted they were close. I mean, Memphis had the eight seed on the day that the season stopped and they were uh, three and a half games behind them. Um, So what do you think about the Pelicans getting this kind of a, a schedule where they play Utah, 
and the Clippers, but then after that they go Memphis, Sacramento, Washington, San Antonio, Sacramento, and Orlando. So I know some of the schedule was kind of based upon the remaining schedule of the teams. Um, I'm not sure exactly how they figured all that out. I know obviously New Orleans having a little bit of an easier schedule. The NBA would prefer a LeBron versus Zion matchup than a LeBron versus the Grizzlies matchup. Because although the Grizzlies have a lot of great upside with John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr., um, they're not a team that the NBA would like to have on like, TV necessarily. If you're if you're looking at primetime games, the first round, ma- what's more intriguing, one versus eight matchup than um, one of the greatest players of all time against a stud rookie? Like yeah. it's 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 a match made in heaven if the NBA is trying to get viewers back, because um, obviously they've been hurting with all this going on. But it's it's going to be very interesting to see how everything plays out. The the teams. The, like I said, the Eastern Conference, it's basically set the eight teams. Washington, I don't think, will have a chance to bump into the eight seed there. They, uh, With Bradley Beal, I believe, opting out to play, play and them not having John Wall either. and It, it just doesn't look possible like they're going to be able to squeeze in there. But the Western Conference, I mean, all the way down to Phoenix, Phoenix has a chance to. Um, talking with one of my friends who works for the Suns, he uh, went on to say if they win a certain amount of games, they have the playing game. Well, that, 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 that's saying a lot, but that's a very good possibility. Suns could squeeze in there. Yeah. Dallas could fall out, which would be crazy to think about with how great, great a year Luka's had. Um, Portland could squeeze in. Who knows what Lillard and McCollum look like healthy. And obviously they get Nurkic back too, which is going to be huge. Kings, I don't know about. Um, I, I, it's going to be they, – they're, they're just raw and young talent. Um, that's the same way with the Suns. But the Spurs – I think this is going to be the, it's going to be the first time in a very long time. Obviously, that we're going to be not talking about the Spurs in the playoffs, and it's going to be weird to say that, but it's yeah. it's it seems like a very very big possibility. But the whole playoff picture, it's 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 absolutely crazy. It's it's like March Madness in for for the NBA. Yeah. You don't know who's going to match up well with who. You don't know how. You how, also don't how, know how any come. of the players are going to look. Exactly. So. Another thing that people aren't really thinking about is what happens, say. What happens if Giannis or a LeBron or Anthony Davis um, get the coronavirus? Mm-hmm. They they have to sit out two weeks. That that greatly affects the team. Because um, what does the Lakers look like without LeBron? If 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 you think about LeBron missing two weeks and having to take a few tests and not passing some of them and yep. having that situation, you're looking at a possibility of eight seed upsetting the Lakers and Lakers not making it to the next round if LeBron or AD. Um, Attracts the virus. Yeah, it's 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 a bit bunch of what if scenarios. With that, do you think it'd be smart? So, like the Bucks and the Lakers and the Clippers. I mean, everybody besides the Nets, Magic, Wizards in the East, and then the Mavericks, Grizzlies, Trailblazers, Pelicans, Kings, and Spurs and Suns in the West are already into the playoffs. If you're a coach and you know that you already got it and there's no cuz a lot of the times you worry about seeding, especially in in the NBA for home court advantage. Now everybody's playing in Orlando. Would you sit your star player? I mean, you want to get him back into game shape, but would you kind of make sure that he doesn't play as much in case he does get con, does contract the virus? See, I don't I don't know what Adam Silver has planned for that is um, cuz obviously they probably want every player playing that it is it is in Orlando and obviously Shoot, what's it called? 
like injury management or just like load management, load management. it won't really come into play as much now that yeah. with this huge time off. Um, obviously, getting players back into shape would be the big thing, and getting them in the game shape. But that's also what the scrimmages are for. Mm-hmm. So I think the teams at the top half, you could see maybe like the last few games, the eight games they have left of possibly sitting yeah. their best players. But I, I see them at least playing at least four or five um, of those eight games to get back in game shape. Then those last three games, I'd think about possibly resting those guys. That's another thing that people aren't really talking about. Like your star is, players yeah. may the higher risk of getting injured, that's for sure. This is where coaching is going to come into play for a lot of the teams. That's why you say you're not so sure about the Spurs. Popovich kind of makes it difficult to to say that they're not going to be there. But um, I think that the team – we'll talk about the Nuggets because we both live in Colorado. You're a big Nuggets fan. Uh, Do you think this helps or hurts them? Honestly, they were slipping before the season had to pause. Does this help or hurt them moving forward with the restart? Um, They're at the three seed now, depending on how their games go. I was always saying on the radio that they should try and get opposite the Lakers. I don't think that's a good matchup for them. Mm-hmm. I think that the Lakers kind of bully them every time that they play. Um, w- does this help or hurt the Nuggets? Where do you see them kind of finishing out the season um, with the restart? Yeah, I think right now, so the Nuggets right now are in the three seed. I think if they were, say, that two to three range, I think that would be a perfect spot. They fall down to four. You're, you run into the risk of playing the Lakers, and you run into the risk of possibly playing Houston, which right now is a 60, but I believe that they might come out a little bit hotter and they could bump up to that five or four, depending on how it goes. But avoiding teams like that might be the better option. If, if we were to get matched up with a team like OKC or a team like, um, I wouldn't say, maybe Memphis makes a run, but teams like that, that would be a lot easier for the Nuggets. Um, last year we, we got very lucky facing San Antonio in the first yeah. round. And um, I, I thought we had had a better chance getting to the Western Conference Finals, having to go through Portland, but obviously that didn't play out. But the Nuggets, it's going to be interesting to see because the because Michael Porter is going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Gary Harris is going to come back healthy. Will Barton's going to come back healthy. Um, Jokic has lost he's, forty pounds. Yeah, he's going to have a, he's had a lot of time to make sure that he doesn't because that was the main thing about the playoffs last year too. He's playing forty eight minutes a night and he can't play at the level mm-hmm. that he that we need, that the Nuggets need mm-hmm. if he's playing forty eight minutes a night. I think I think the big X factor with the Nuggets is going to be Jamal Murray. I mm-hmm. think if Jokic is going to show up, but we're going to need that second player to step up. Yeah. If Jamal Murray is, is comes in like the um, future potential All Star that he is, um, there's a good chance the Nuggets can make a run to the Western Conference Finals. I'm not saying Finals yet because I don't know what's going to happen with both LA teams and how everything's going to play out. But I think there's a good chance that they could make that run um, if if everyone's clicking at the right time. They're they're gelling well together. Is Michael Malone a good coach in this situation, do you think? Or is he maybe a little bit too inexperienced with everything that's so going the, on? The thing with Malone people forget is that he I mean, he was under Popovich. He was under a lot of these great coaches. Uh, he was an assistant under a lot of these great coaches. And although he may not have head coaching experience, Popovich molded him. And there was people that molded him to be in these type of situations. Um, I think having the experience last year of going to the second round, playing seven games against – Popovich-led team, yeah. and the Spurs gained this team a lot more momentum going into this year. Obviously, with all this happening, momentum may have been shifted a little bit because of different scenarios, how things are playing out, but I think Malone has done a great job so far, um, and obviously, just recently, they announced Calvin Booth is the new general manager as well. I think that's a great um, 
addition to the team as well. I think he's going to do. He, he's a very bright young mind. I remember him his playing days. He wasn't the greatest player, but he always, he was a ground, around a bunch of great players. Mm-hmm. I feel as though he might bring a nice ad, addition to the Denver Nuggets organization. Well, the Nuggets schedule when they come back before the playoffs, they go Miami, OKC, San Antonio, Portland, Utah, Lakers, Clippers back to back, and then finish out with Toronto. Kind of got a lot of meat in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. I, I know Portland's going to be a big game because they probably want to avenge and, mm-hmm. and make sure that they don't let the Trailblazers get hot like they did last mm-hmm. year. But uh, it's kind of an easing you into it. I guess Miami's – in the pl- power rankings that ESPN released, Miami's nine, Denver's eight. Mm-hmm. But uh, I feel pretty good about that schedule. And I think that it's always better to play the tougher teams towards the end. Especially leading into the playoffs, it's kind of what happened last year in the NHL playoffs when all the one seeds got knocked out because they didn't have to play for anything for so long. Now I I think that this is a good setup for the Nuggets moving forward. Yeah, no, they'll definitely be tested going into the um, the playoffs setting, um, having having basically every top team that is in the playoffs um, against yeah. them that we play against at least once. It's it's going to be a great test to see where we are, um, health wise and uh, ability wise right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And we'll, then Malone will be able to make adjustments. Being like, okay, against this team we this lineup works best. Against this team, we can be, we should be playing Michael Porter more. We should play Will Barton more, or even Tory Craig should start in these situations or whatever it may be. That's where these eight games are so intriguing and so mm-hmm. uh, important because that's where teams can find their identity be like, okay these players are hot right now these players aren't okay let's let's roll with these guys yeah this this lineup is going to work best against these guys this lineup is going to work against work best against these guys and um that's where the coach like you said coaching is going to come huge yeah. into this um, orlando situation um now the top two teams in the west the clippers and the lakers ESPN power rankings have the late the Clippers number two, the Lakers number three. You agree with that? You think overall throughout the season, which team were you more impressed with? Did you like the Clippers more? Or did you like the Lakers more? As a team, I'd say the Clippers, but you cannot doubt LeBron James in the playoff situations. <laughs> That's the one thing I've realized is obviously last year we didn't have it because he was hurt most of the year and whatever it may be. But when LeBron turns it on, he's one of the most, also, most unstoppable figures the NBA has ever seen. LeBron flips a switch, and they could easily I could, I'd go on a limb and say that they could beat the Clippers at five. Like it, it's The Clippers are a deep team, but the Kawhi, they're going to they're gonna have to rely heavily on Kawhi's experience because obviously Beverly doesn't have that experience. Lou Will has a little bit, but not as much. Um, Paul George is only a few, too. But yeah. run into a, a healthy Lakers team, who knows what J.R. Smith looks like, too. J.R. Smith could turn into J.R. Switch back in the Denver Nuggets days if He's healthy again, and AD is one of the best big men in the game. Yep. I don't see Montrezl Harrell necessarily being able to guard him for um, X amount of minutes. Yeah, um, it's going to be like the matchup is very intriguing, but I, I think I'd give it the Lakers just because of LeBron factor. It's interesting because the obviously Paul George was having to come back from so, shoulder surgery, and him and Kawhi were taking a lot of games for load management. Mm-hmm. Now they get to come back healthy, but then you got to think about with. LeBron not playing in the playoffs last year, having like what is it, twenty games more rest than mm-hmm. he normally does, and then this, everybody says that this little pause has been the best thing for LeBron because now he gets to take a break, get back to where he was with wherever when when they started the season with his body, and then come back and just. Mm-hmm. Every, is he still the best player? Do you think in the league? Is there anybody that's close? Is it him? Is Giannis close? 
I, I do think Giannis is close. I would still give the nod to LeBron. Mm. It's crazy thinking about that, saying this 17 years later into LeBron's career. But I do think Giannis is on the way there. It's just LeBron's presence on the um, defensive end, his, his ability to step out. Giannis is slowly getting that, yeah. but he's not there yet. Um, I would almost put KD in that conversation above Giannis as close to the best player just because KD's incredible ability to shoot the ball so at a very high pace. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, I'd still say LeBron. I think, obviously, Giannis is close second. Um, and KD's right there when he's healthy. And then Kawhi is Kawhi. Is Kawhi. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the claw. He's, he's different. He's, he's different, he's, yeah. I would almost say... And I, I'm not gonna. He reminds me a little bit of Horace Grant the, the way he plays because he plays really good defense when he does, mm-hmm. and he can score. Obviously, I mean, Kawhi. Kawhi is something else. I I don't know if him choosing the Clippers is gonna work out the way that he wanted to. Is he gonna be there for a long time, or is it just? Yeah. Like, so they did sign. I think it was a three-year deal. It might have been three or four years. So I know him and Paul George will be there for at least another two more years. Yeah. So I know they. Um, I'm not sure exactly the terms of the. My situation on the contract, but I know they'll be a, for at least be able to run it back two more times, I believe. Honestly, my favorite player for the Clippers is not Kawhi. It's Beverly just because I like the tenacity. He's, he's a smaller guy compared to all the other NBA players, and he plays with a lot of tenacity on defense. Uh, I did watch – when I watched the um, Pelicans-Nuggets game on Christmas, I finished the Lakers and Clippers game too, mm-hmm. and Beverly with the two big defensive plays. Mm-hmm. Um Looking at their schedule, they kind of have it fairly easy. Both both Los Angeles teams, they're already in, so I don't know how much they're going to – it would probably be what you were saying where they're going to make sure everybody's healthy and who's coming back and a little bit ahead of everybody else with uh, their play. But uh, any, any of the other teams kind of stand out to you? I mean, we talked a lot about the Western Conference. I think people are expecting Western Conference to win the NBA championship this year, but you do ha- still have uh, Milwaukee on the, in the Eastern Conference. Boston started to get a little bit hot. Um, Miami's a lot better than I thought they were going to be. I thought Jimmy Butler was going to go down to Miami and party on the beach. Apparently it turned him into a, a freak athlete, but anybody on the Eastern Conference kind of tickle you a little bit and, and give you an idea that they can maybe make a run? Yeah, that Miami uh, heat culture down there is a little bit different than uh, than what people really think about, but the East Conference is very, very um, wide open. I think the Bucks could fall off their horse. I think there's a good chance Boston could slip, or Boston could slip, or they could rise to the top. I think that Boston has that ceiling where they're they're either a first round exit with possibly having to face a team like Philadelphia in the first round. Maybe they don't match up well with that, mm-hmm. um, where they could slip in the first round, or they could be a team that could make a deep run to possibly do the finals. I don't know how the Bucks will look. Um, Bucks are obviously going to have to rely heavily on Giannis. Um, whether Middleton and Bledsoe and Lopez are able to get to their form like they were during the season, it's going to be a big what-if situation. If they are able to do that, then they could easily make that push into the finals and the Eastern Conference finals. Um, Toronto is a big what-if too because Siakam has had an incredible year. Lowry is very, very underrated. Marcus Sol and Serge Ibaka, that team is very, very deep. They're, they're, when I look at Toronto, I think a lot about the Clippers, but without mm-hmm. the star power. Yeah. Obviously, they're they're such a deep team. They've had a lot of great bench players, a lot of bla- players that can step in on whatever, whatever they need and be right there and, and then make it make big plays. Um, but I think if you look at the Eastern Conference, I think my two favorites right now to come out would be Boston and um, Milwaukee. I think a team that sleep that 
easily could sleep on would be Miami and Philadelphia. I don't see Toronto. I don't see Indiana going up that way. Philadelphia can make a lot of noise. I mean, they're getting all healthy back. Who knows what Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid could do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a bus, it's a breaker bust year for Philadelphia. If, the, if their first-round exit, that's possibly end of Brett Brown era. Yeah. They'll move on new coaches, possibly even in wholesale, maybe trade Simmons or whatever maybe in the offseason. But they're a team that if they get hot at the right time, um, they could make a run too, so it's 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 very very interesting. I think the Heat, Heat have, Heat I think need one more piece. I think obviously they've been there's they've been in talks possibly getting Bradley Beal, possibly getting a um, maybe a Lamarcus Aldridge or someone someone along, along those lines where they could take that next step too. Mm-hmm. And I think the Heat are right on the cusp there. I don't know if this is the year. I think maybe one year, two years down the road, maybe they're in the Giannis sweepstakes a year or two from now too. But I think uh, if I were to pick right now, I'd say Boston. Um, I don't believe Milwaukee. I don't think Middleton will come back into form. I think Boston has a young talent. Um, I don't know if they'd win the NBA Finals, but I think they'd make that push, or they they all be healthy enough where they could make that. Uh, Do they push the Western play. Conference champion? Do you think, I, or is I don't it going to be that? That's all based based on matchups too, because I yeah. think the Clippers they match up with, match up pretty decently with. Uh, Lakers, I don't know, because obviously the Celtics don't have a forcing big um, to to handle um, AD. Nuggets, I've, I think that's about an even matchup. Basically, they're they're I'd say they're pretty even, basically with every team but the Lakers. Mm. Um, Tatum could be a star in the making, and people sleep on Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker, um, cardiac Kemba, as they call it in Connecticut, but. Kemba is a, people sleep on how good Kemba is. Yeah. He's very one of the most underappreciated players in the league. He has a very great IQ and a great um, ability on the court that has really elevated Boston this year. Um, that could help them out huge in playoffs. Okay, two more questions on NBA. Um, if you had to pick now, who who's your NBA champion for the season in the 2020, 2019-2020 COVID-19 NBA championship sweepstakes. Who, who's your pick? So I said Boston in the finals, and I'd say I'm gonna say Boston Lakers finals, and I'd I'd, mm-hmm. I'd give the nod to the Lakers. I think LeBron has has the edge, and I think LeBron's on on a mission right now to prove everybody wrong and show the world that he he's just a different human being, and that that AD has has been such a great player, um, both ends of the floor. They can easily be that next that next um, star tandem. I think I think they have the upside over teams over everyone in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Their toughest their toughest competition is going to be in the West. I'm going to be honest. Boston is going to be a good matchup. Milwaukee would be a good matchup. But if they were to get through the Clippers and they get through Houston or de- through Denver, through like it's it's a murder's row in the Western Conference. Yeah. The Eastern Conference has a few has a top heavy are top heavy. So it's. I'd, would, I'd pick LeBron and Lakers. That would I hate, probably, and it hates me saying that as being a Nuggets fan, but I'd pick LeBron and Lakers. That would probably make uh, it probably makes Adam Silver salivate a little bit with the amount of uh, throwback Clippers, Cl- Clippers or not Clippers, Lakers Celtics games they could play if that did it did yeah. end up happening. Mind you, the obviously I mean us remembering all the KG Paul Pierce versus Kobe matchups too. Yeah, and then you can do those games. You can do the Magic Johnson Larry Bird games and. There's a lot of different places that they can go for that. Last question for the NBA. Before the pause happened, did you – everybody was worried about whether or not this season would be any good with 
you know, you're no longer having LeBron in the East to carry whoever he's going to be on in the East, and you don't have the super team in Golden State anymore. People were expecting ratings to drop. I don't know if they did or not. I wasn't paying that close of attention before the pause happened. Um, do you think that this season was a successful one before the pause, and do you think that the NBA will be able to pull out of this? and make this a success as well? I, I do think so. I think the NBA has moved away from the um, super team mindset. I, I love the duos that around the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think it's it, like, like we've been talking about. We've been talking about almost every single team that's been in the playoffs. We've talked about them possibly making a run, making hot at the right time, yep. making a push. Um, I think that's perfect for the NBA because obviously when LeBron was in, in Cleveland, like it was Golden State and Cleveland for four, four straight State, years. Golden State, whoever uh, LeBron was going to be playing. Exactly. And then having Toronto win last year was a huge momentum switch. Yeah. It was like, okay, people can be like, okay, we can win this if we have the right if we have the right people around them and if we have the star duo. Do, the trios are only going to last for so long because like you, like you saw, KD, Steph, and Clay were only – Three seasons, yeah, three seasons yeah. long, and that only lasts so so long. Teams are looking at more like, okay, let's get two players and build a good, strong foundation around them, mm-hmm. and that's that's what that's what makes it so interesting because there's so many great duos right now in the NBA. If you look at the young duos, the Luca and Porzingis, you look at the John, Jaron Jackson, you look at um, Lillard and uh, McCollum, Zion and Brandon Ingram, like it, it, the list goes on and on. That's just the Western Conference, like it's it's. The league is in the right direction right now. Adam Silver has got to be loving this right now because who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. We, if, it's not like in years past where we're like, okay, it's going to be Cleveland and Golden State in the finals. Now we're in a situation like, I don't know who's going to We're going to send everybody to Orlando. Who knows who's going to win? We're taking home court advantages out of it. It does. It, it breeds a lot of interest. It, it's like, like I said before, it's a lot like March Madness. Mm-hmm. It's a neutral, neutral site. Nobody knows who's going to show up at what time. And it's 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 a do or die situation. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that it it, do, it did well, and I think that the people who were thinking that it was going to fall off because you didn't have the super teams anymore, I agree with you. I th- I like the duos way better than I like the the trios. The trios were good for a while, but just from a business standpoint, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, trio. Because how are you going to play pay three max contracts for a long time? Exactly. Trios can only last for so long. Duos, you can have a lot more longevity. All right, you heard it from Nico. He picks the Lakers, even though he's a Nuggets fan, even though his dad that. worked very closely with the Nuggets for a while. Yeah, I hate saying that. <laughs> uh, we're switching over now. We're going to talk a little bit about UFC 251, UFC Fight Island. It's taking place this Saturday on Yas Island in Abu Dhabi in the UAE. Um, I think we'll – do you know a lot about the people in the prelims or you want to just stick with main the main card? Uh, we can start with the main card and go into the prelims a little bit. All right. Kicking off the main card is going to be Paige Van Zant in, I think, one of the first fights I can remember for a while. Um, she's taking on Rebus. I'm not sure what her first name is, so I'm trying to figure that out before I say it. Uh, a Brazilian Brazilian girl at the flyweight division, Paige Van Zant, 8-4. and four. Her opponent, Amanda Rebus, is 9-1. and one. Um, where, where do you land on this fight? Because... The women's fighting has gotten a lot better in in years in the recent years. Uh, Paige Van Zant, super big name in the UFC because of her Dancing with the Stars, and um, everybody loves her social media with her husband and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I haven't necessarily been super impressed with her in the octagon as much as some other people have. So where do you land on this one? Yeah, she's been a great ambassador for the sport. 
Um, she's done a lot of great things outside to grow women's MMA um, more and more. I, I, I don't, I'm not I'm not too familiar with Amanda Rebus. Um, I know Van Zant has had a little bit of a tough spill um, re- more recently and has had a few um, tough fights. And I, I'm not. She's been off for a while. So who knows which Van Zant we're gonna get? I think it's gonna be um, intriguing to see. What re- what Van Zant looks like if if she is if she comes out red hot and comes out um, firing all cinder cylinders you see her possibly getting into um, t- more more intriguing fights more top top heavy cards mm-hmm. um, but that's that's a big what if situation I yeah I think that she's set up fairly well in this one because she did have the two the reason she's been out for so long is she broke her arm in one of her previous fights mm-hmm. had surgery on it that surgery didn't go well so she had to have another one on it. Um, if she loses, she's lo- she's losing to a girl who's nine and one on a tear, and, and was a minus thousand favorite. If she wins, she came back and was able to kind of recapture what she had before she got injured. But it's kind of a win-win situation, even if she loses. She's a plus six fifty underdog. I wouldn't put. I, I think that's a sucker's bet with the minus one thousand and the plus six fifty. I'd probably stay away from that one um, if I was betting on it. But I think Rebus will probably win. I think it'll probably go to decision, though. Three-round fight. I don't see Van Zant getting knocked out. Um, but I, I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. Next fight, another women's fight in the strawweight division. So 115, Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas. Namajunas is a Colorado, former Colorado fighter. She's married to Pat Berry, if you remember him from yep. the – Old old school days. Yep. You, you play with him in UFC too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica Andrade is coming off of just losing the title. Uh, it's an interesting fight because Nami Yunus hasn't really looked the same, and she was contemplating getting out getting out of fighting. But she she has the reach advantage. I really like her striking, and her coach is Trevor Whitman. Trevor Whitman's a genius. Mm-hmm. Saw what he did with Gaethje. So, uh, what do you think about this fight? So that their fir- their first fight, um, I forgot what. How long ago it was back? But I remember Nami Yunus just absolutely dominating the fight, and then obviously Andrade, Andrade had that crazy knockout with the with the um, suplex, I believe it was. Mm. And I just remember it just being like, wow, this Nami Yunus had the had the fight won, and Andrade came out right at the last second. So who knows how? I mean, obviously you said Rose is um, thinking about possibly retirement and moving on from MMA. But um, if if Rose comes out strong, you could see her possibly moving back into that title picture scene. Yeah, in the strawweight division. I mean, other than Joanna Janjacek and Weili Zhang, there's not really too ma- too many other girls in that division. So I think the winner of this one probably gets moved up to a, to a title shot at some point. Yeah, I think they'll probably they'll probably run it back with Weili and. Uh Joanna, they'll mm-hmm. probably run back, and then the winner of this probably would get the winner of that, if I were to guess. That was, uh, did you watch the Joanna Whaley fight? Yes. Definitely fight of the year. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know if there's another one that even comes close. Um, next fight, Peter Yan, Jose Aldo, bantamweight title fight. I think they tried to do this one earlier, but Yan missed weight, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. I think he fought for the title earlier, missed weight, and still knocked out the guy. Mm-hmm. So the whole mess there. Aldo dropping from 45 down to 135. Um, I think this is kind of given to him just based off of his reputation. I don't think that he earned it, especially not at this weight class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not too – I guess I'd say I'm not too happy that he's getting getting this title shot, but he is one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time. So it's really hard to argue, I guess. Um 
between Jan and Aldo, who do you who do you give the um, advantage? So to? yeah, Aldo, I, I definitely, I think he's, I'm pretty sure he's off, coming off a loss, if mm-hmm. I'm not not mistaken. Yeah, um, split decision loss. Split decision loss, but which was a little controversial. Um, I remember that that fight being like a lot could have won that easily if, if the judges would have scored a little differently. But that's another conversation. But I think. Um, Obviously, I do believe that Aljamain Sterling should have been in this conversation. I think could have been Jan versus Sterling because obviously this car is so stacked. They probably were thinking about Jan versus Sterling originally, and then they were like, "Okay, what? What? Can, how can we make this card even better?" And throwing a name, big name like Aldo on the card makes it even more intriguing because obviously most people know Aldo mm-hmm. from his once his knockout from McGregor, but. Um, yeah, nobody knew about him when he was on his 10-year winning streak. Exactly. They so, know all about him once he gets knocked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that adds more intriguing to the card. Um, I think I think I'd give it to Jan, having only one loss on his record and um, his 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 ability on the on the, on the ground as well as stand up. I think is going to be uh, outweigh Aldo. Aldo's at the end or lower half his, or back end of his career. So yeah. I don't know how how well he's going to look, but. I will say that with the uh, the betting odds on this one, Aldo's a plus 200 underdog. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty decent bet because yeah. it's a good return on a guy who probably can win this fight. I'm just not sure if he's going to. Mm-hmm. So if I was a betting man, I'd, I'd bet on this one. I'd bet that Aldo would win. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're doing like the fan duel stuff, uh, Aldo will probably have pretty high returns on most of it. Mm-hmm. Co-main event, Volkanovski-Holloway rematch for the featherweight championship. Um Aldo, or not Aldo, Holloway is a plus 185 favorite, Volkanovski minus 220. Uh, Volkanovski, did you watch their last fight? Yeah, I did. Volkanovski kind of dominated. He did, yeah. So I was in Australia too, I believe. Do you see see this one going any differently? Um, I think think it's going to be interesting to see. I think this this fight right here has a chance to fire the night. I think Holloway is going to come out swinging. And you, I think I'm pretty sure it was when these two fought, but they stood toe to toe and they just swung at each other the last ten seconds or whatever it may be. Holloway does that more often than he probably should. Yeah, so I think this has a great chance to fight of the night possibility. Um, Holloway, Holloway is a great fighter. People, he, I mean, ever since his, uh, I wouldn't say change, but his different persona last few years, like he's become a completely different fighter than he was at the beginning yeah. of his career, and that can spill a huge for him um, going forward, but it could we could be seeing the end of it. Um, Volkanovski is, like we said, he dominated their first fight. He's only he's twenty one and one. He's only lost one fight. Like he's Holloway's more of a fan favorite, um, just because of his social media presence and the good guy he attitude he has. These two, there's not a lot of bad blood between these two. There's more respect and yeah. knowing how great the other is. It's more like I gotta beat you. I gotta beat you up because to get what I want. Yeah. But I respect you through this all? This one's all for the title. It's mm-hmm. not like a Masvidal um, Askren fight where yeah. it was all trash talk and mm-hmm. all that. This is, I agree with you, this is like the, this is a fight for sport's sake. Mm-hmm. It's not, um, and this is probably why the UFC has gotten so much more popular in the last few years. It's not bare knuckle fighting. It's two martial artists that want a title and they know that they have to beat each other up for it. Mm-hmm. But for that one, I think I'll I think I'll give the edge to Holloway. I think I think the return fight, he's gonna come out a little stronger. Um, I think I think it's gonna be another five round. I, I'm not sure if, if it'll be a decision or I would say I would lean toward a decision, but I think I'd give the edge to Holloway in this one. I think uh, Holloway's always got that ability to pull one out. He's a 
he was a champion for a reason, so it makes sense that he would be able to do something like that. Um, but with the way that the last fight ended, and I agree with you, I think that people don't realize how long he's been fighting. He's probably on the back half of his career, so I, I think that it's probably going to be more of a, a Volkanovski victory. Go 2-0 and in the series, and then won't have to have a rubber match. Uh, main event, stand-in fight. I'm not sure who was originally scheduled to fight Usman, but now Kamar Usman's taking on Jorge Masvidal. Um, BMF champ. It's a champ-champ match. Uh, do you think that Usman gets the BMF belt if he wins? I don't know about the stipulation put in. Um, I, the The original fight was Gilbert Burns, though. Mm-hmm. That was facing Usman. Um, just to, oh, uh, that was that quick because I just watched Gilbert Burns fight the other. Yeah, day. he 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 was um, the main event against uh, Tyron Woodley. Yeah. about I think a month and a half, two months ago. Sounds about right. I feel, time's flown by through <laughs> all this. I don't know, but um, I don't know if, if the stipulation is that he gets a BMF title or if it's a title, title or whatever it may be. Um, I think that, I don't think that BMF title is part of it, part of the deal. I think it's just for the, um, for Usman's title. Yeah. Um, and I think if, if Masvidal loses this, it's a win-win situation. Like we were saying before, like we got on, it's a win-win situation for Masvidal. Loses, he's on six days notice. If he wins, he has a title and he has everything that he's ever to fight for. It's eerily similar to Nate Diaz mm-hmm. when he fought um, McGregor Carter, for, for yeah. the first time. Uh, it was a catchweight fight. And he was on a beer, he was on a boat drinking beer three days before. <laughs> he ended up going there and winning. So it could happen, but. Honestly, Usman might be the most complete fighter in the entire organization. His wrestling is off the charts. His conditioning is off the charts. He's a absolute monster at 170 pounds. I don't know if you see him on video. He looks like he should be at least 200 pounds. I don't know how he makes it to 170. But he's also, I mean, I'm biased a little bit because he's a wrestler and I've wrestled for a long time. But he was on Joe Rogan's podcast and he said he can't even run because of how bad his knees are. He gets in that good of shape by riding the assault bike and wrestling. And that's, that's an intense amount of cardio, and it's an intense mindset you have to have to be able to want to do something like that. It's tough for me to say that Masvidal could beat him on a full camp, but on short notice like this, it'd be very tough for me to say that he's going to win. I think Usman's going to Usman's going to retain his title, and he'll probably fight Gilbert Burns at, at, at some other point down the line. Yeah, there's a reason why they call or Usman's nickname is Nigerian Nightmare. There's there's a there's a reason why he's been so dominant. Going back to his Ultimate Fire days with the uh, American Top Team against mm-hmm. the Black Zillions, that I remember that being one of yeah. the, my favorite Ultimate Fire seasons, and he was just an absolute dominant in that. And it's translated greatly to um, the UFC. He's he's been on an absolute tear. His wrestling abilities top notch up there with Habib. I wouldn't yep. say it's Habib's level, but no, it's right up it's there. Probably just um, just under. Just right under there, yeah. yeah. If if Masvidal were to win this fight, it'd have to be knockout. There's, no, I, I don't think there's a chance he wins this fight if it goes all five rounds. I think yeah. I think Usman, the technical abilities and his his um, ability to absolutely smother his opponents um, is gonna come out come out in the end if it's a decision fight. Yeah. If if Masvidal were to win this, he's gonna have to come out swinging maybe or kneeing him in the head again or whatever it may be. But yeah. if Masvidal were to win this fight, it's going to have to be in the first second round. Got to figure out something. Yeah. The good thing that he has going for him is that he's not pissing tomorrow off like Colby did <laughs> yeah. because then he won't get his job broken on purpose. But. Yeah, well, he has he has pissed him off a little bit. I mean, obviously they had that jaw back and forth on yeah. January, and you probably saw that they were – seconds away in the elevator scene a few few days back from seeing each other I think it was Vegas um, but 
I, I this, it, this is definitely the main event everyone wanted to see. Yeah. Although Gilbert Burns is a great fighter and he um, is on the come up, this is this is the main event that everyone wanted to see. Yeah. Like like we said with the Nate Diaz fight, mm-hmm. that Nate Diaz Conor McGregor fight, I believe it was, um, oh what was his name, the fighter, um, Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez yeah, was Alvarez. the original fight, and that's the the Nate Diaz fight was much better. Yeah, come out for the UFC in the long run. It was a lot. It was a lot more hype surrounding the uh, McGregor Diaz fight mm-hmm. than it was the other way around. I think uh, overall, I think this card is going to do well. But I think that not having Burns in the main event, when a lot of people didn't think that he deserved to be in there, and I was one of them after his last fight, I did think that he should go straight to a title fight. I thought he needed another victory over a guy who either was a champion or another high-profile guy. So I don't have a problem with this. Um, since we did talk about the NBA coming back, I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I'm gonna. When I get Rev's opinion, I asked him to talk about this too. Now that the UFC is not going to be the only sport going, I mean, I think that they've had some pretty good numbers for their past few events just because they're the only thing on. Where do you see the UFC going after everything kind of comes back, and we're not just having to watch cage fighting uh, for sporting? So I think Dana White has done an incredible job of putting out fights and making sure fires have been tested the right way and putting people not in as much risk as they could mm-hmm. I think the NBA and all the other leagues have done have tried to duplicate that in their own testing and their own ways of making sure to continue play um, I think the UFC has built a following even more now these last few months or whatever it has been mm-hmm. just because people are like oh my god like these this is incredible to watch yeah. whether it be the main event or whether it be the lo- the undercard like every every fighter that's in the UFC that steps into the octagon is intriguing to watch they've hit on a lot of their recent the Gaethje pay-per-view mm-hmm. I think there was all those fights were super exciting mm-hmm. and I, I agree with I agree with what you're saying yeah so I mean like the the UFC is I think it's t- twice maybe a month of our pay-per-views it's tell me if I'm wrong I, but they somewhere have, around their there. contract with ESPN is based off of events so they have to put on an event every week I think or they mm-hmm. have to meet a certain number of events by the end of the year but I think that what they've been doing is like fight nights in between mm-hmm. where they do a pay-per-view and a fight night at least every month and then bigger months like July is the international fight week mm-hmm. so that's why there's going to be probably more than just this one mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think the UFC will be just fine when it comes to pay-per-view wise I think obviously they're um, just regular cards like the, the, the fight night cards are maybe going to suffer a little bit more um, I think pay-per-views are still going to kill it and then obviously they're talking about bringing, the, bringing another Ultimate Fire season back. And then also Dana White Contender Series is going to be coming back too. Which, I, I mean, I, I enjoy Dana White's Contender Series a lot on Tuesday nights. I've been enjoying, I mean, when, when that first came out, I remember tuning in every Tuesday night watching that. Yeah. So I think that's going to be another big thing that will help the UFC stay on top. I don't know if, obviously, um, the NBA and the NFL and NHL like they have, and MLB, they've always been at the top. MMA has always been the lower... Yeah. lower half of um, professional sports to watch but I think through this all Dana White has increased the UFC brand by like a ton and has, has really gave so much exposure to fires like Usman fires like Masvidal mm-hmm. who I mean few people knew about but now they're now they're again throwing some mix like or a where, like, this Saturday, people are looking like, I need to watch this. Right. People aren't like, oh, I don't care. Like, Masvidal, he's a good fighter, but, I mean, it's a fight I can miss. Now this is a card you can't miss. Yeah, this card. And that's card, what Dana White has pushed on us. This card is worth the 60 bucks or whatever it is mm-hmm. for a pay-per-view. A lot of their pay-per-views in the past, past couple years haven't been worth this, but this one is definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. Well, 
I'm hot. You hot? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it started to get a little bit warm. Not not too bad because I'm used to that Arizona heat. But oh man, I can't even. I have a buddy who lives out there, and he sends he he sends me the, every day a text message. Hi, it's 98 degrees. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, oh. I'm thankful I never had to deal with that. So. Jeez. Yeah. Um, Nico, thank you for coming on the podcast again. I think that we we talked about a lot of good things and now you educated me even more on some more more basketball stuff but i wanted to get you on before basketball started again um so thank you for coming on and we talked about a a lot of good stuff i think so of course thank you for having me brother um uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this again soon maybe we'll have a hockey podcast or talk a little about hockey season two coming up or obviously you're more of a baseball guy so not as much me but i I don't know if i'm gonna (laughs) i mean baseball is very tough to for people to watch, I don't think people listen to a podcast on baseball. <laughs> but fair. we could do a hockey one. I want to get Gabe on too. You gotta, yeah. keep, you gotta push Gabe. Like, let's go, all three of us back That's on true, Red yeah. Nation reunion. Yeah, get um, all the boys. We'll figure it out at some point. But uh, for now, thank you guys for listening. Please follow. Uh, I'll have Nico plug his social medias first. Um. So yeah, um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, basically all that. Yeah. Um. Twitter is Nico Eleven Bryant capital N capital B and I think Instagram's the same I'm pretty yeah, sure it is. yeah it's love yeah no capitals yeah and then That's basically it. for the show please follow the Twitter page at COA pod 73 um, I'm on Twitter at Jimmy Pilato on Instagram at proud underscore WAP uh, wherever you listen to this podcast please like subscribe share rate review that way we can get a little bit bigger of a following get more in the algorithm Uh, But thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you once again next week for another episode of Center of Attention. Huge thank you to Nico and Rev once again. I wanted to intro this uh, intro, this outro song, uh, weird way to put it. Dom and I, he was down here again for the weekend, for the holiday. We sang some more covers. This one, I'm going to release a cappella. I want you guys to let me know what you think if you'd rather me add in the music later we sing the vocals acapella and then we try and mix it up to the music i wanted to see how you guys enjoyed this one uh this cover is take a drunk girl home by chris jansen dom sings lead on it but uh yeah remember to follow dom at dom palato 63 uh on instagram and at dom palato on twitter um and let them know how, how you guys like these outro covers and let me know uh you can tweet at coa pod 73 or at jimmy palato and uh, I'll be the one listening, but that is going to be the outro song for today. So I hope you guys enjoy. Couple cover charge stamps got a hand looking like a rainbow in and out of every bar on a whim, just like the wind blows. She's either a bachelorette or coming off a breakup. Take a drunk girl home. She's bouncing like a pinball, singing every word she never knew. Dancing with her eyes closed like she's the only one in the room. Her hair's a perfect mess, falling out of the headdress. Take a drunk girl home. Take a drunk girl home. Let her sleep all alone. Leave her keys on the counter, your number by the phone. Pick up her life, she threw on the floor. Leave the hall lights on, walk out and lock the door. That's how you know the difference between a boy and a man. Take a drunk girl home.
They drive for a dive and you get something bad to eat. They sing in closing time at a little bar across the street. And two by two strangers and lovers heading for the covers, hooking up. That TV in your two bedroom sounds turned on. And through the paper thin walls, you can hear the neighbor's cigarette cough. There's a million things you could be doing, but there's one thing you're damn sure glad you did. Take a drunk girl home, let her sleep all alone. Leave your keys on the counter, your number by the phone. Pick up her life, she threw on the floor. Leave the hall lights on, walk out and lock the door. That's how you know. The difference between a boy and a man Take a drunk girl home Ooh. Ooh. Take a drunk girl home In the sober light of dawn she done left you a message, she thanked you on the phone. Cause you picked up her life, she threw on the floor. Left the hall lights on, walked out and locked the door. That's how she knows, the difference between a boy and a man. And took a drunk girl home. Took a drunk girl home. Take a drunk girl home